in counting it and investigating it and looking at it and maybe making a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. (laughs) Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bible Geeks Weekly Podcast. This is episode 35. I'm Brian Sheely. I'm Ryan Joy. And thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in on today's episode. We're going to be talking about money and how to handle our money wisely. But before we get into that, we're going to get into our Jesus Said segment. And you've got a verse for me this week? I do. And guess what? It's Jesus talking about money. Hey, (laughs) kind of a long story. One of the stewardship parables we don't talk about too often because it's a little Mm -hmm. weird. It's in Luke chapter 16 and it begins. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and he said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill. And sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. It's kind of the weird part. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, here's the other weird part, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. And then he says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what do you think? I think you hit the nail on the head here that we don't consider this parable very frequently. Yeah. And I think normally we go to the end of this in Jesus's description here. And jump to verse 13, where he says, no servant can serve two masters. Mm -hmm. That was in my mind, as we were thinking about this topic of money, how Jesus is basically laying out the choice that we have to make about whether or not we're going to serve God or whether or not we're going to serve money. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we want to try to do both. We think that we can serve God and money. And Jesus here basically says, no, that's not the case at all. You can't serve both. It's impossible. You've either got to love the one and hate the other, or you have to be devoted to the one and despise the other. And the other thing I think we usually bring out from this is verse 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who has been dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Mm. How do you handle the little things? How do you handle the small little details of life and of money specifically. If you are faithful, if you handle those small things well, then God is going to trust you with the bigger things. So I think this is 
kind of the normal things that we pull out of this. What do you get from his conversation about this manager here? Well, the clear and certain part of it is that we need to think about how we're using our position and our opportunities right now and think of what we can do with unrighteous wealth, <laughs> which is not like, you know, money, dirty money that you're getting, but, you know, mm-hmm. all money has the potential for unrighteousness and can be, can be problematic as the, the Bible is clear. But we have to use this wealth, whatever we have, uh, like you say, uh, just a little bit of it compared to what we hope to someday have from a different perspective, that final wealth we look forward to. So we need to use what we have now to make friends in eternal dwellings. I mean, that's the the end of this thing. And I don't know mm-hmm. why the master praises him. He praises him for his shrewdness. It could be that he's taking the chunk of you know, what he's cutting out, he's cutting out his portion, his commission, and not cheating the manager. Or it could be just because he he feels like, hey, at least I'm getting something out of it. But the master is is happy and pleased with what he's doing. He thinks he's smart. And, um, you know, I love this guy. He's, he's just it's so honest, his thinking and how, mm-hmm. how um, you know, hey, I, I'm too proud to go and beg food. And I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not the digging kind of guy. I'm not strong enough for that uh, to go and dig ditches. So I'm going to use my position in these last days, the opportunity I have now. I'm going to use it so that I can tr- change that into opportunities for the future. And mm-hmm. so there's this point of transition where he doesn't have those same opportunities anymore. And I think that's the key here because someday. We're not going to have the opportunities we have now to invest in what will come next. And I read a book by Randy Alcorn, and and he used the example of living in the Confederacy of the United States towards the end of the war or at, at the end of the war and knowing all of this money that I have, this Confederate currency, is going to be worth nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I need to change it over. I need to, you know, go to exchange it for real wealth. Even if I get a small, a small exchange rate, whatever it takes, I'm going to take turn this into something that's going to mean something. Because someday all of the wealth we have now will mean nothing. You could be the richest person, the poorest person, whatever it is. It's going to mean nothing if you haven't invested it in making friends in eternal dwellings. And, you know, I don't know whether that means God, you know, you, if you, Jesus talks about in Matthew 25, when you gave to these people who are in need, you are giving to me, or if it has to do with, you know, angels, if it has to do with saints that you're, you know, you're helping out here and you'll go and be with the saints who are, you know, living forever and, and you'll have these friendships that come from it. you know, I don't think we need to take it too literally or make too much of that idea because the point is so clear that we need to be faithful right now, and then know that the Lord will reward us with with something much greater and consider us faithful for it. Well, it reminds me of the parable of the stewards who were given various talents of different amounts and how some of them multiplied it in their investments and one of them buried it in the ground and did nothing with it out of fear. Yeah. So the honor, the blessing was given to those who did something with it. And in general, when we realize that our money, our finances 
really in the end is going to mean nothing and we're just going to give it all up anyway mm-hmm. doing with the blessings that we've been given as much as we can do whether that's money or whether that's abilities or virtues or whatever else you want to put in there but specifically on the topic of money we need to just continue to find ways of investing that and using that in the service of god because here he was a manager for his master and in the, in the other parables they were servants of the master and so it doesn't really belong to us anyway and that's i think a good thing to think about as we put into perspective money in our life it's not really ours yeah i mean he drives that home in verse 12 if you have not been faithful in that which is another's who will give you that which is your own and so that's another change in perspective that you know just thinking of yourself as god's money manager i did this exercise recently uh with a a class I, i think i mentioned i taught this money class recently and so we got a bunch of $5 bills and um, put them in envelopes and um, passed them out to the class and said, okay, this money is not a gift to you. This money is me investing in the kingdom, you know, wanting to glorify God. This is me saying, how can I, and me and Adrian saying, we want to, you know, to make a difference and to do good and to glorify God. And we're trusting you to go and make the decision on what that looks like and come back and at the next class report what you did with that. And it's amazing how, you know, I'll be honest, it's really easy for me to blow five dollars. It's just it's too easy. Like I can, you know, just think, okay, I'm going to get a really nice coffee. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's this money's disappearing. And yet it was just so it was encouraging to hear how seriously people took this $5, you know, mm-hmm. I do not want to waste this $5. I want to, some people try to figure out ways to grow that $5. You know, I got a group of people and, and we're, I said, let's all put our money into this. I've got $5. Let's all put $5 in and it's extending it. Other people were investing in different people, different opportunities and trying to figure it out but really put prayerful thought into it because they knew it wasn't theirs, that they were managing something. And if we can take that mindset to every penny that we receive from the Lord, man, that's going to change the way we spend and save and give. Well, this was good. And let's roll this conversation into our next segment, which is a new segment that we're calling Top 4 Proverbs. One, two, three, four. So we are going to talk about four of our favorite proverbs on the topic of money. What is your number one top proverb on money? Man, yeah, that was hard. We could easily do a top 20 list on this. Um, (laughs) We sure could. So my top proverb has to do kind of like the stewardship idea, but instead it's the idea of us lending money to God. And, you know, you can imagine how certain it would be that God will repay our our investment in him. So here it is, mm-hmm. Proverbs 19 and verse 17. How do we lend money to the Lord? Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. 
Isn't that an amazing thought? The idea of every time we are generous to someone who needs money, needs help, needs stuff, whatever it is, we are lending money, lending whatever it is to the Lord. And and as we saw in that last parable, the Lord pays back with interest. You know, if we're faithful in a little, he will trust us with much. And it's, it's just a beautiful idea that um, kind of changes the, you know, you, you, it's easy to think of that you're depleting your resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could have, I could have invested this money in something, you know, some, some big mutual fund that's going to, going to bring me bigger earnings, bigger gains. Well, that's lending money to, you know, whatever, a bunch of, you know, Fortune 500 companies that might be, you might get blue chips, but there's no blue chip like the Lord, you know, that, that you're going to lend your money to. And um, so if we think of giving in this way as, as an investment, again, it's, it may sound self-serving, but it's about an eternal perspective. And, and it's just a way of kind of transitioning our hearts into starting to love giving and find the fun and the joy in giving. It reminds me of Matthew 25. Actually, right after Jesus has talked about that parable of the talents that I mentioned, he's talking about that judgment scene. Those who would hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Those who would hear the words, depart from me. Both of them were judged based on how they helped the stranger, the naked, Mm -hmm. those sick or people who are in prison. And Jesus basically there is saying, to the extent that you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Mm -hmm. And that thought that lending to the poor or being generous to the poor is actually being viewed by God as an act toward him. And we don't always see that. And I don't think it's always as clear on the surface. But I think we need to have that perspective where when we do good to others, when we help others, when we're generous to others out of our finances or out of our abundance, that it's not just them that we're helping. Mm -hmm. It's God directly that we are giving to. Yeah, it kind of sums up that proverb we just I mean, that parable we just read in a way because you're talking about it. That's what I'm hearing is that idea of you're making friends with heavenly dwellings. So what is number two on our list here? All right. So mine is in Proverbs chapter three, beginning in verse nine. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Hmm. I think a lot of times we forget what the true source of our material blessings are. And sometimes it's easy to think about everything we have coming from our work and our effort in this world. I go to work nine to five, I get my paycheck, my paycheck is mine, and we forget where this stuff actually comes from. Mm. Being grateful to God because of our blessings that he's given to us and using those, using the first fruits of those to honor him Mm -hmm. is something that we need to be doing. And that kind of reminds me of what the children of Israel did when they came into the land of Canaan, Deuteronomy chapter 26. The instruction was for them as they had been brought into this land flowing with milk and honey, they were told, bring the first fruits of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So 
of the first produce that comes out of this abundant land, take it, offer it to God, and keep the perspective that he's the one who's blessed you with this. He's the one who brought you through the wilderness into this blessing. And if we can remember that in our lives, if I can remember that in my life, to take what I have and really honor God with it first, mm-hmm. that, like, that should be my very first motivation with what I have. Not to spend it on my pleasure, not to do selfish things with it, but to use what I have to honor God, I think is the perspective shift that we need to have in terms of our money. Because riches are dangerous, <laughs> super mm-hmm. dangerous. And Jesus talks a lot about that. Those who are rich in this world, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for them to enter the kingdom. And we need to be super careful with how we view our money. The two words that jump out at me in this are first Mm -hmm. and honor. You know, first, whenever your money comes out from tax withholding from your employer, That just, it comes out first and you're never going to spend that money because you didn't ever have the opportunity. It's already set apart. Money disappears quick if you're not planning and disciplined and thinking about it. But one, one way to make sure that doesn't happen is to start by setting apart that money for the Lord that's just separate. And when we do that, that is honor. And honor is, you know, honor is about valuing, about acknowledging what is precious and important. And Mm -hmm. we communicate to the Lord that he is precious and important to us, that he is worthy of honor whenever we set aside right from the top what we truly believe should be set apart for for a special purpose for for him. Of course, you know, this in Proverbs is thinking about the, the first fruits offerings, but we understand the same a similar idea in the New Testament of setting apart, you know, that which we want to give to support his work, support the those in need. And just setting that apart then is kind of a way of saying that we honor the Lord with all the rest of our money as well. We recognize that he's the one, like you said, that gave us this, these resources to support our everyday living and our family and our mortgage payment and and one way that we communicate that is by saying right from the beginning i'm setting this apart because all of this is from you including and and i know that you're going to give me enough after this first fruits that i can survive on all the rest whenever i've i've honored you first and two i think we see something similar to what jesus is noting in luke 21 when he's talking about that widow who mm-hmm. gave her might. She had two small copper coins and she offered that in the box. She put all of that in. And Jesus says in verse three, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Mm. So if we make giving a priority That's notable. And I find it amazing here that Jesus is astonished by this. You know, he is amazed by this woman's faith and by her actions. And even if you have a lot, giving a lot is a good thing. And that's what this proverb is talking about here. But even if you have very little, giving what you can, giving what you have is going to be something that eventually will lead to great blessing. And I I have no doubt that this woman did not 
walk away from this event and suffer hunger because she had no more money. Mm. I fully believe at the end of this story that God found a way to bless her in big ways. Uh, yeah. The imagine the Lord being astonished and rejoicing over somebody doing something and then abandoning them. You know, that's right. That, that I, I agree with you. I think that she's she's going to be fine as these proverbs start to help us to to see. But that idea, I love what you brought out there about the Lord being astonished and pointing out to other people the worth of this woman's character. And yeah. I, I always get excited about that idea of, you know, whether it's God saying to Satan about Job, you know, have you seen my servant, you know, or all the times that he he calls somebody a man after his own heart with David or calls somebody his friend but this idea that Jesus no more or less when he's sitting at the right hand of God than when he's sitting in the temple watching people could be astonished and pleased and consider someone's character noteworthy whenever he sees somebody giving and, and sacrificially giving and trusting enough to give to the Lord. And I think it's really easy for us to get into a, you know, all that I do is filthy rags, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm just so unworthy, which certainly as soon as we sin, we are unworthy of God's salvation, but you can start to discredit good works and, and not honor good works with the worth that God sees and not realize the joy of the Lord is exciting to, to think about. We sing a song about the smile of the blessed giver, yeah. to make God smile, to make Jesus astonished with pleasure at what we're doing. That's, that's an exciting thing to think about when we think about what, we, what do we have the power to do with our money? Well, one thing is to surprise and please the Lord with what we do. That's a cool thought. Yeah. yeah. All right, so what's the third one? All right, number three, Proverbs 18, 11. A rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. <laughs> so it starts out... This is very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, <laughs> it starts out sounding like... Um, like there really is security and, and Proverbs kind of, you know, hints at that idea in different places that there there is value and security in in wealth, but it's not as strong as we think it is. And that's where we get into into real danger is whenever we start in our imagination thinking we have a high wall around us because of our retirement account and because of, you know, I, I can't believe it. I've got. You know, we've got our house completely paid off and, you know, we've got whatever. We've got six months of expenses all saved up for a rainy day. And, and those are all great things. That's, that's great. That's good to do. But again, riches are deceitful and we just have mm -hmm. to watch out. Another proverb talks about the, the foolishness of trust, of the rich man trusting in his riches. Right. And so... I just see how easy it is, honestly, for me and Adrian to start to to think in our imagination, we're secure because we have X, Y and Z, you know, this confidence that we might place in having some cushion in our money. We just talked about margin. And 
again, the point is not to live with that. It's, it's a bad idea to live within your means and save things up and especially save things up. So you have opportunity to be generous and, and all of these things are good. And Proverbs talks about storing things, you know, storing things up rather than consuming all of it. But remember the rich fool. Oh yeah. Thou fool. (laughs) You know, this night your life is required of you. Remember James four, you know, you who say such and such a time, I'll go to such and such a city. You don't know. You don't know what tomorrow is. Your life is a breath. You don't know. You might be poor tomorrow. The whole market could crash. You're, you know, you might think that you're, this thing is paid off, but there was a bad situation with the bank and, you know, or you might just die tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know, or you might lose something that's more important to you than any wealth that you might have and realize I wasn't as secure as I thought. I still have all this money, but I don't have what was most important to me. I continue to find it amazing that on one hand, God promises, as he talked about in the proverb that I picked out, to fill our barns with plenty and our vats would be bursting with wine. On one hand, he promises us abundance Mm -hmm. when we honor him with our wealth. But then on the other hand, that deceptive nature of wealth can change our focus. And if we find security not in God, but in wealth, then basically we're struggling with the problem that Jesus talked about there in the Jesus Said segment. Mm -hmm. We are serving money rather than serving God. And when we allow money and wealth and riches to fill up the biggest place in our minds and for us to feel secure in it and for us to feel accomplished by how much is in our bank account or how much financial margin we have, rather than being accomplished and secure and satisfied by God himself, Mm -hmm. then it is just, it's a mirage. It's only there to distract us Mm -hmm. and That is, I think, one of the greatest reasons why Jesus tells that rich young man to go sell all of his possessions and give them to the poor because he needed a a change of mindset. He needed to refocus himself on what was important. And I think that's super challenging for us in America, this blessed country that we live in, to think about sometimes because it's not to say that we all just need to be dirt poor and have nothing, but it is to say that for the riches that we've been given, we need to put that all into perspective and not let it cloud our minds and not let it tell us that we're okay when really we're not actually trusting in God. Yeah. I mean, you, you put together the Proverbs and Jesus and you get a really complete picture of the complexity of this issue, you know, Mm -hmm. of, of money. And they do not at all contradict each other, as you can see in these Proverbs we're bringing out. And yet there is a different tenor to the New Testament's talking about wealth than there is to the Proverbs in a lot of ways. And, so, Mm -hmm. you know, where there are these axioms, you know, I wouldn't say that it's it's a promise from God, like the promise of, you know, eternal life if we trust and obey him. But there are these principles that this is how the Lord has designed the universe to work is, you know, if you do these things, if you work hard, the Proverbs say, and if you're not slothful, then here's a pretty good rule of thumb. You're going to be doing better than the person who's lazy. Now, does that mean that there's not a lazy rich person or a hardworking poor person? Absolutely not. 
but these these are good truths for you to understand and and you know so wealth is often spoken of as a reward for making wise and righteous decisions and yet it's also stated in the old testament and the new testament as this cautionary tale you know you really have to watch out because a lot of people their lives have fallen apart and it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than the rich man to enter the kingdom well how could that be whenever the proverbs say this the righteous are being blessed well with god it is possible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and he you just gotta know you're in the danger zone and as we talk about riches and wealth it's maybe helpful for us to just remember that if you are listening to this in the united states you know if you are someone who has an apartment or a home and has one or two cars and has multiple sets of clothes in your in your closet then you are in you know the top 80% you are a wealthy person you may not be what we think of as rich which is the mega rich but you are a wealthy person this is these are a few things there are some statistics given in the Randy Alcorn book that we recently studied that just highlight how wealthy we are but we kind of have to reorient ourselves not to feel guilty about it but to understand the great responsibility that we have as those who have been deeply blessed to take accountability for how we use these riches all right so the last one number four number four comes from proverbs chapter 11 verse 4 it says riches do not profit in the day of wrath but righteousness delivers from death. I love the perspective that this one gives Mm. because it really does put riches in its proper place. Mm -hmm. Riches are useful here. Money is useful here on earth, but in eternity, it's almost like monopoly money. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't go into the grocery store and bring in the monopoly money you get from your board game and buy anything with it. Mm -hmm. And that's basically like what we're going to do with our riches to God in that final judgment day. We're not going to be able to take any of this blessing and treasure that we've stored up for ourselves and bring it to God and have it mean anything. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the other things that's interesting here is we have gotten this blessing by God. And so for us to then turn it around and feel like it has any value back to him, that's not how it works. So it reminds me a lot of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, different kinds of treasures. Mm -hmm. And in heaven, neither moth nor rust destroys, thieves don't break in and steal. And then he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so... The question is, where is our treasure? Is our treasure in profitable, eternal finances, in quotation marks? Mm. Or is our treasure in earthly money? And that's the real question, I think, is where are we storing up our wealth? Is it in spiritual things in heaven? Or is it in our material possessions here on earth? That passage is so powerful because, first of all, it tells you how to find out where your heart is. Mm-hmm. Look at where your money is and you'll you'll find out. And and it's also noteworthy, I think, that where your treasure is and then there's a future tense, there your heart will be. 
So right. I get the sense from that that you can start to direct your heart with the orientation of your money. So if you want to grow your priorities into what God wants it to be, start putting your money where God wants your priorities to be. So it kind of goes both ways there. I feel like this orientation of our heart Mm -hmm. is really the main point of what Jesus was saying there in Matthew 6, but then also of this proverb that where is the prophet? Mm -hmm. What is this money going to be useful for? P-R-O-F-I-T. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Where is the gain? Uh And there is so many times in this earthly life where money is the thing that changes situations. Money we've valued so high. We put such a high value on having money and even to the point where you either have or you have not. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's not about what we have or what we don't have, monetarily speaking. It's what we have or what we don't have in terms of our righteousness, our obedience, Mm -hmm. our service. And that's what's going to matter. Mm-hmm. And you can't see that when you log into your bank account and see how much you've actually stored up, spiritually speaking, or in terms of your righteousness toward God. You can't get a spreadsheet or a pie chart or anything like that to really look at. <laughs> That'd be nice. Get a quarterly report on your... A quarterly report about what your spiritual investments are. You can't see that. And so on the surface of it, we value money so much. And we can track it, we can count it, we can look at it, we can hold it. But in terms of our righteousness, that's a, that's a little bit more nebulous, mm-hmm. I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we would probably do well to think about our righteousness, our obedience, our faithfulness, more in terms of the way we view money, yeah. in counting it, in investigating it, in looking at it, in maybe making a spreadsheet. I love spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe sitting down and just thinking about what am I investing spiritually in the Lord and how much profit am I getting from these kinds of investments? Yeah. What you measure and pay attention to and track, you end up investing in. And there's an intersection, I think, in terms of money and righteousness, where a lot of times when, as we talked about in our margin episode and a bunch of times in previous episodes about abundance, our money oftentimes is used to help other people, which is a righteous thing. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that, as Jesus told the the rich young man, go sell all you have and give the proceeds to who? To the poor. Mm -hmm. And so that was going to be a helpful thing. Mm -hmm. So we can use our material blessings, our abundance, in a way that helps other people. And I think that is a good thing. And so it's not to say that money is nothing. We can use our finances in a way that actually does accomplish the work of righteousness in this world. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point. Money is something. Money is something big. That's why it's talked about so much and it has so much power for evil and for good. It's just, it's just paper. It's just value that we we've decided together. There's value there, but it has value because of its potential. Okay. So those were the Proverbs on money, our top four. Mm. Do you have your own proverbs that you enjoy on the topic of money? These are good things for us to think about. And Jesus talks so much about money. It seems like an episode on it kind of makes sense. Absolutely. So you want to get into the challenge? Yeah. So let's do it. All right. So here's the challenge. Look over your finances. 
and note how your spending honors God. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So pull up your bank statement, look over whatever it is that you're, you're doing with your money and just think about, are you choosing to honor God and investing in that eternal treasure? Sounds good. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into the Bible Geeks podcast. You can find us on our website at BibleGeeks.fm. You can find show notes for this episode at BibleGeeks.fm slash 35. We're also on social media. We are slash the Bible Geeks wherever you might find us. And head on over to our website at BibleGeeks.fm and follow along with our daily download series at BibleGeeks.fm slash daily. And if you have any questions for us on spiritual growth, on any other topics that you're interested in, get in touch with us through our website on the contact form there. And until next week, everyone, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.